You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 67 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and uh, joining me as, uh, I don't, I don't want to say usual because it's not usual anymore, but uh, the, probably the most frequent guest slash co-host on the podcast, uh, Carlos Colazzo is back. What's up, man? How's it going, man? Uh, thanks for having me. It still, it still feels like home here. Uh, I still feel like uh, me and you have a great rapport back and forth, and uh, I love when you have me on. Every time you uh, hit me up to ask if I can be on the show, I always get a little bit excited. So thanks for continuing to do that. For sure, man. Uh, I started writing, writing up the posts uh, sort of before we get, uh, got going here, and I referenced you as Carlos Colazzo at Baseball America, which made me laugh. Because uh, I, I have <laughs> to link, funny, right? I have to link to you because that's just what I do in the podcast posts. But uh, it's pretty funny. But yeah, anyway, it's it's funny to me still too. So no worries. For sure. Um, I wish we were podcasting under better circumstances. The Braves are not playing super well right now. They've lost four out of five after a really, really bad showing on Sunday from R.I. Dickey, and we'll get to that, but uh, you and I talked before the podcast, and you want to do something right right off the top here. I decided it was a good idea to just get this thing over with, so you have something that you want to say yeah. to someone on the Braves, so go ahead and fire that off. Yeah, I, I need to get it over with, but it's probably long overdue that I do this. Uh, Kevin McAlpin regularly gives me heat for this, uh, just texting me during the games, but uh, I have to issue a public apology to someone on the team, and that person is Matt Kemp. Matt, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You were right. I said you weren't going to be a good hitter. You're an excellent hitter this season. I said you were a bad baseball player. Uh, you're one of three. You're one of four Braves position players with a one war or better. Um, you're destroying the ball. Uh, you have eight home runs. You're hitting 333, 375, 77. And you are hitting better than 47% of the league, uh, or 47% better than the league average hitter. Okay, semantics here. But you get the point, Matt. I'm sorry. Uh, I was dead wrong. Everyone blasts me for it on Twitter, so I want to get this out of the way. Uh, you're a good baseball player, I guess. <laughs> very, very strong <laughs> apology from you. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, in your camp, uh, his bad bet's still over 400. So when that crashes, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But uh, for now, uh, you were wrong. I was yeah. wrong too, for the record. I wasn't as I wasn't as low as you are on Kemp, mm-hmm. but I was also wrong. I, this is better than I thought he would be as well. And the defense is still bad. But when you hit like this, it doesn't matter how bad your defense is, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I mean, still productive. So that's, that's it. Just got to the point where Kevin would be texting me every time Mac Kemp hit like three home runs in one game, and I felt like that happened multiple times this season. And we're only like 37 games into the season. Uh, that's not accurate at all. Like 40 games into the season. But um, yeah, I mean, he's just been crushing the ball. And regardless of what I think of him as a player, he's proved me wrong. So I just have to face that now and own it. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kemp's been great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's one of the things that I, you know, the, the the Braves are somehow in second place right now, even though they're not playing yeah, great. A lot of that I'm has to do about with how laughable that is. Yeah, it has to do with the NL East more than anything. Oh, but, uh, you know, it, it is some. if you were trying to be as negative as you could be on this team, you could point out there there's some guys having uh, great seasons, like obviously Freeman early on before the injury. Kemp, Tyler Flowers has been out of his mind. Um, there's some guys who are kind of over their heads and the Braves are still struggling. Uh, you could argue the opposite point to if you wanted to guys who are better than they've been so far, like Dansby, uh, some of the pitchers perhaps, but, uh, yeah, anyway, you know, Kemp's been good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm glad you got to say that out loud to, uh, to Mr. Kemp because I'm sure he'll appreciate your apology. Yeah. Someone will probably add him on Twitter and let him know that it happened because that's what people do. Cause I, and I hate yeah. that. By he the definitely way. cares. He definitely cares that I'm apologizing to him. He definitely knows who I am too. So please don't at players. Uh, let me say this now. <laughs> I, people do this to me. Like they'll lump, uh, they'll lump, not just me, but like they'll lump a bunch of analysts in with like Freddie Freeman. And it's like, really, is that like a thing people do now? Yeah. People. And I- Especially if it's negative, or like, hey, do you That's see what weird. You, 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 do you see what they said, Freddie Freeman at Freddie Freeman Five? And I'm like, well, first of all, these people are getting tagged way too often in general. Second of all, like, who follows player? I follow like the three funny guys in the major leagues on Twitter. Like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't follow random players so I can have their PR teams tweet at me Here, here's a secret for you uh i think i follow freddie and that's the only person on the team i follow and even that i'm not 100 sure i follow freddie even um i think i follow matt marksberry because he followed me when i interned so i just gave him the follow back it's actually funny uh i have a somewhat of a personal connection to freddie because freddie grew up in the salvation army which is what i where i work yeah right pretty now. much brad so, just has a personal connection with all these brave greats so well, he basically yeah. knows the whole team literally but I, I was i was just gonna say that just because i don't follow <laughs> anybody else in the entire league like I follow Frank Core, who's not an active player at this moment. So you don't follow McCarthy with the Dodgers? No, like people. If, if he does anything funny, it gets retweeted, and I see it. And to be fair, I have a Braves okay, player list. Like if something okay. happens, I, yeah, like yeah. The, the hashtag journalist in me has a Braves player mm-hmm. list. Um, okay. But other than that, that man, that like, kind of counts halfway, I guess. But I'm not following them. Like I have to actively look for that list if I want to see it. Do you use TweetDeck? I do. I, I live and die with TweetDeck. TweetDeck. Well, it's, you it's could kind of you could just set up a list that's in your your regular view. So I mean, at that point, you're basically following. Me. I, I have a my list. Um, my TweetDeck is enormous. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I, I don't even want to imagine what it looks if like. If I scroll over, I think it is one of the lists that's just always there, but it's like way to the right, um, mm-hmm. so, I, so I don't see it. But yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where I, I don't know how we got on this tangent. It's probably my fault, but. Uh, don't add players. That's kind of where I was going to go back to with Matt. Yeah, so. I, I'll retweet that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's talk some baseball here. Um, yeah, can we talk about how bad the division is real quick? And I had that up here, but yeah, let's do it. Like, let's talk about how bad the division is. Like, first of all, Washington—they're a really good team, obviously, but them playing in the NL East makes them look way better than they are. But just to kind of throw a few numbers at you, these are just basic numbers. I'm on LB standings page right now, but. Every single team in the division is below 500 after Washington, and they the second place team, which is Atlanta, is eight and a half games back already. Eight and a half games back, the second place team. The only other division that's worse than that is the AL West, which I'm shocked there's a division worse. Uh, Houston's just running away with that division. They're 35 and 16, and then the Angels are 10 games back as as well as Texas. But the worst winning percentage. Uh, in that division, which I would assume is the second worst after the NL East, uh, is Seattle with 431. They've won 22 games and lost 29. Atlanta, the second place team in the National League East, is 21 and 27 with a winning percentage of 438, just barely ahead of the last place team 
in what we're assuming right now is the second worst division in baseball. Now, that might be a stretch to say that's the second worst division. It's early, obviously, but that's really, really bad. I think it might be uh, the worst, by the way. It, it's laughable. It's laughable that Atlanta is the second place team right now. Uh, and it just shows you how bad the Mets have done with, with their injuries right now. Uh, and really, there's no good team in this division other than Washington. And who really knows how good they are until they actually play some some good teams on a regular basis, which they're probably not going to do. I don't know their schedule right now, but when every team in your division is kind of you're just beating up on them because they're a terrible baseball team, it's it's hard to get a gauge on how good you are. But either way, division terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's I would argue it's the worst division, honestly, because coming into the year. Oh yeah, if I didn't make that clear, I think it is the worst. I was just saying, I think. The AL West, it's questionable if they are the second worst. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I mean, coming into the year, I think we all kind of agreed, for the most part, mm-hmm. that it was the Nats and then the Mets as a solid two. Um, and if the yeah. Mets are bad, like, it's really bad. Because the other three teams, like, I was way down on Miami looking smart for that one. Um, mm-hmm. Philly has some interesting talent, but on the whole, like, the roster's not quite there yet. Um, and the no, Braves, you, you know, the Braves are what they You are. look at the Mets and Braves, though, they might have, like, worst-case scenarios with both their teams. So, on top of a bad division in the first place, both teams losing their best players in Syndergaard and Freddie Freeman, uh, that's a pretty worst-case scenario for you to go along with the Braves just not being able to pitch in general, and especially at home. But, yeah, it's it's not a fun division this year. I mean, the Nationals have essentially locked this this up already <laughs> which is you know it's <laughs> it's not even it's not even more we're recording this the, the day before memorial day so we can't, we can't even really technically look at the standings yet it's one of the old school rules is that you can't look till memorial day we're not even no, there we're looking. and we, of course we're looking but we're not, we're not even there yet and it's like all right nationals and at least chance <laughs> uh because i mean what would have to happen to their roster injury wise to not pick the nets like they'd have to have at Bryce least, would at have least to five get guys, literally five yeah. guys probably get hurt Oh yeah, for the year. That, that's how that's how big the gap is. Like it had to be their best. If you took their best five players off, then maybe we have an, a level playing field. Um, and still, I'm not sure that's the case because they've got seven or eight like legitimate like, you know, if you include pitchers, legitimate like star level type of type of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody else has more than like two, maybe three. Okay, check out the. T- I'm on Fangraphs projected full season uh, standings right now. Uh. They are projecting the Nationals to win with a 93 and 69 uh, record. Second place team, uh, New York Mets, with a 79 and 83 record. Second place. And that actually seems, uh, I mean, that's 14 games. I would probably bet the over on that at this moment, just because I think the Nats are going to win more than 93 games, personally. That's crazy. And I'm not sure. I mean, the Mets are the only team in this division, I think, right now. Given what happened to Freeman, unless the Braves somehow go into this buying mode, which they're probably not going to do, I think the only team in the division that can win 80 games is the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, they're going to have to get it together because Syndergaard was a huge thing for them. If he's not right, obviously not around, uh, they they can't really afford anything else, and their bullpen's kind of a mess right now. I mean, it's not it's bad, man. They're I mean, I think I think I would safely project the Nats to win the division by the largest margin in the league. Yeah. Um, pretty comfortably just because, I mean, there's some other teams that might have better records than the Nats at the end of the year, but they probably have more competition than the Nats do. Yeah. For what it's worth, the AL West would be close as well with Astros and, and Angels in second place in that division. But obviously this is, and I, this is all just projection systems. and Yeah. And you know, I, I, who knows I, what's going to actually happen. But it's it's really crazy how big the gap is already. I put some value in that, but I think the Rangers are better than people might think they are as well. That's, mm-hmm. That'd be a team that I think so. is solidly better than the Mets, at least. Uh, anyway, without getting too deep into that, um, 
let's talk some Braves just because that's what we're here for. Um, I don't even know where to start. I guess uh, transactionally, a couple things happened this week. Uh, the number one thing, I guess, hilariously, was Josh Colmenter uh, being DFA'd after he imploded on Wednesday. Uh, hilariously, before that, Poor guy. the yeah, the Braves uh, had, had <laughs> the Braves bullpen had 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 retired fifty four straight, but not not retired. Sorry, fifty four straight without allowing a hit before that implosion. Uh, and then Colmenter gave up. Was it seven innings, uh, seven runs in the in the tenth inning on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. And then by Thursday morning, he was gone in favor of Matt Whistler. This isn't this isn't to pick on Josh Colmenter, who I actually thought was a pretty good uh, sort of buy low for the Braves. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was the lead transaction. Uh, it's kind of weird because you know most of these weeks I have three, four, or five things to talk about. Last week we were, we were slammed with transactions, and this week it's basically Josh Colmenter and Matt and uh, not Matt Whistler, um, Chris Medlin going to Double A. Those are our two transactions. So uh, welcome <laughs> back to the podcast, Carl. It's a huge, a huge news week. Yeah, for real. And I saw that note about the uh, the amount of batters without without allowing a hit. I guess fifty four batters without allowing a hit. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe the Braves bullpen is sneaky good this year. Check the uh, leaderboard. Nope, uh, that's not the case. <laughs> it was that one Braves stretch. They, they were bad early, and now they're bad again. Yeah, twenty three in the league in terms of. Uh, war for relievers, and really, if you look at their strikeout numbers as well, they they don't strike anyone out for a bullpen. I mean, you've got some teams like the Astros and Dodgers and Yankees striking out like well over ten batters for nine as, as a unit for the bullpen, and the Braves are down there at seven point nine nine, right under eight, walking three point five as well. That that's a pretty high walk total. Um, let's see what the leaderboard is for that. Okay, it's it's middle of the pack for for walks, but when you're not striking out people as well. Uh, uh, you're walking a lot of people. Uh, yeah, that hitless streak isn't going to go as far as you you might initially think, like I did. But um, it's a yeah, bad combo. Th- I mean, we we kind of came into the season thinking the bullpen would be good, uh, thinking the starting pitching would be better, thinking Freddie Freeman was going to be playing. None of those things have happened. So well, not a, not a great start for the Braves this year on the bullpen. And there's a couple guys. I mean, Jim no, Johnson's been Jim Johnson's been solid. I mean, there's some things on the bullpen like. I mean, the lefties have been bad. That's been the thing for me, especially Ian Kroll mm-hmm. being bad is uh, surprising-ish to me. Not that I thought he'd be dominant by any means, but I think we yeah. we, we kind of figured that Eric Florida might be bad. Um, that's I mean, shouts to him for being a long a long term solid Brave. But uh, in spring training, mm-hmm. I was surprised that they even kept him around. Um, so the numbers being bad there, not terribly surprising. But you know, Kroll being bad has really hurt. And, you know, there's moments that Vizcaino is kind of just, you know, mesmerizingly bad. He's also awesome sometimes, so he's one of those weird It's pitchers. weird how he's, yeah, like, he, he obviously has the most talent on the team. He's striking out, like, 10.6 for 9. Uh, and he, he's, like, cut .1 war. I think Jim Johnson leads the team with .6. I know I feel like I'm throwing a lot of numbers at the, at the guys no, they're, on, on they're the podcast got, this time. But, they're just but, nights when Vizcaino is brutal. Like, it's like, and you can tell right away, too, within a batter or two, it's like, all right, this is bad. This mm-hmm. is batteroidus. Uh, and hopefully they get him out of there in a hurry because. But when he, when he's great, he's great, and he's lights out. And you hope that maybe he can string some of those games together. But I don't know. Right now, there's not a whole lot of. I mean, I guess Jose Ramirez has been a nice revelation for the most part. He's been good um, on on the whole at least. Um, but mm-hmm. it's basically, you know, Jim Johnson's the guy I feel comfortable at, with. Look and, at Vizzy's. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was just gonna say with Vizcaino, um, you look at his numbers and the strikeout numbers are really good. The walks are okay for what he does, but. With SunTrust Park and, and all the different factors that we've had with that this season as far as it, it being kind of home run heavy, I wanted to see what his numbers were in that area. And he's got the highest um, home run per nine rate of his entire career, unless you include 2014 when he threw like five innings with the Cubs 
and, and I would imagine that's too short of a sample to, to take into real consideration. But I mean, this, this park is a real problem for, for the current group of players and we can get into the starters later if you want, but it doesn't help the team at all that, that the pitchers just can't pitch there. Obviously it's, I guess it's still a short sample, but it's definitely a problem that, that people are talking about and, and seems to be real at this point. I mean, the home road splits aren't hugely different. Like Tehran's been extremely good on the road and just terrible at home, but pretty much everyone else has been bad in general. So I don't know how much you can just chalk it up to that either. But I feel like it is more concerning uh, than we would have thought before the season because this park was supposed to play pretty fair. And I don't know, you might know more about the park factors just covering the team on a, a regular basis than I do. I know there was a piece that Mike Petriello did with MLB.com kind of saying that it wasn't as big of a launching pad as you might expect just because of the uh, the home run barrage that was there at the first few weeks of the season. But it does seem like a real problem. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a hitter's park. Um, I, I, it's not crazy. I think people sort of overreacted to some of the numbers we saw over a small sample. You know, to only time tells. Like, you're not going to know for a while. Uh, in terms of like a firm answer on this, yeah. but it's it's not Coors Field, it's not Great American Ballpark, it's not this full-on launching pad. I I think it is going to skew more towards hitters than we thought it was going to, at least coming in, especially in the right, especially left-handed hitters. Um, that that short porch and right center, uh, Freddie's even talked about it, um, just being an app, an appetizing thing for left-handed hitters, and we'll see that both Braves wise and opposing team wise. And for me, uh, it's it's a problem for the uh, for the Braves just because of the fact that they're. Uh, they don't have a ton of power, so uh, most teams are going to take advantage of it more than the Braves are. Um, but I don't know; it's it, it's going to play a little bit more towards the hitters than we thought. But it, I don't think we, I, I, don't, I don't think we know necessarily at this point. But uh, I'm always skeptical of, and try to push back against like the notion that it, like balls are going to suddenly fly out. I mean, I think Julio is sort of the brainchild for this because his numbers are so bad at home and so good on the road that it's become oh, this is this huge hitting park, and it's like well, maybe. Uh, we'll yeah. see. I mean, it, it, it's definitely more that way than I thought, but I, I'm not ready to judge it yet. I don't know. It's weird, man. Uh, I don't. I don't. Speak. By the way, speaking mm-hmm. of that, speaking of that, <laughs> we should get we, we should get into Matt Adams because Matt Adams has been good. Yeah, uh, in, in a small Adams. sample and uh, savvy pickup from the uh, from the Braves. Yes, yeah, some of that is uh, just the fact that Matt Adams can hit uh, and. Going out and getting him for not nothing by any means, but uh, you know a prospect that was at least dealable. And the small the small sample of returns have been good. He was he was he, I think he was zero for four on Sunday, but before that he had an OPS north of uh, north of nine hundred, couple of home runs, taking mm-hmm. advantage of that. Um, what would you think of that move? Because I know you I, mean, I haven't talked to you since then. I want to see what you thought of the move in general and kind of knowing that he's under control for next year. Like, what do the Braves do with my Adams? Because um, I guess he could be a, a really high quality bench bat for you. If nothing else. Yeah, we were talking about how the bullpen is, or not the bullpen, the bench was terrible as far as guys who could actually come out and hit for you. Um, in general, I think this is a good move for the Braves. I mean, it's, it's more exciting than James Loney, that's for sure. He wasn't really a, a, a pickup that did much for me as far as moving the needle for the Braves. And it's funny you look at Matt Adams. He hasn't really. Yeah, James Loney, sorry, buddy. Uh, better luck with another team. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Adams, he hasn't hit for any power really uh, outside of SunTrust Park. And even when he was with the Cardinals, his only home run on the mm-hmm. season came when the Cardinals were playing at SunTrust Park against the Braves. Uh, if you look at his splits by ballpark for this year, obviously, again, it's really not a ton of ton of games. But mm-hmm. SunTrust Park, he has the highest OPS in his slugging percentage. The only slugging percentage above 700 of any park. 
Um, Bush Stadium, his slugging was a 391 in that Turner or at SunTrust Park, excuse me, rest in peace Turner Field. At SunTrust Park, it is 786 with all of his home runs uh, and his only triple. So I definitely think he's benefiting from it as well. Obviously, a left-handed hitter. Uh, you would imagine that was kind of part of the decision to bring him in from the Braves' perspective. But um, yeah, I guess so. He can be an interesting guy, specifically. Uh, for the Braves, I don't know if, I mean, we talked about this a little before we came on the podcast. I don't know if you can expect him to keep hitting like he has. And if you look beyond those kind of home run numbers that are kind of a little bit of an outlier, I wouldn't imagine him to continue hitting very well, but definitely more more exciting than James Loney. Yeah, he, he goes from, you know, fill-in starter, which is a great thing to have because uh, mm-hmm. the Braves had nobody behind Freeman. That was the huge thing. Uh, we talked about it in the preseason when you were still full-time here, like just how bad that spot was going to be if Freeman went down and he went down. Um, but with Adams uh, being around, um, if nothing else, like he's cheap enough this year where him just being a bench bat is fine. Um, and that's what he'll probably be, you know, barring injury. I guess he, he could play some corner outfield, but I doubt that the Braves are going to be willing to move on from Marquez unless they can find someone to take his contract. Um, but even then, you know, Matt Adams can just be your number one pinch hitter, which he didn't have before this year, and he's under control for next year, which means mm-hmm. if you even if you didn't want to have him around, you could sign him and trade him um, because he's, he's, he's arbitration eligible. Like, he'll get a manageable number, and somebody will be looking for first base help, just like the Braves were this year. So mm-hmm. it's a good move. And I, I, I'm with you, though, that he, he's going to regress. There's no way he's just suddenly this 900 OPS guy. That's not going to happen by any means, I don't think. I mean, it could happen over a small sample, which is what this is going to be. He's only going to be a starter until Freeman returns, which will be, you know, mid-late July. And it, but, you know, mm-hmm. for what they gave up for him, that was fine. And we talked about it a bunch, but I think it's worth noting that he was uh, really, really good in the early going here. And uh, basically the Braves getting the kind of return that they probably envisioned, uh, even on the high side um, from him in the early on uh, here. And, of course, James Loney, as you said, uh, no longer a part of the team. Uh, was it 24 hours? I think it was. Maybe 48. There was definitely It was quick. I don't, I don't know exactly the timeline, but it seemed like we didn't even get a chance to realize he was actually on the team. Then he was gone. So For sure. It was very quick. But and not to knock on Adams too much, I just pulled up his Fangrass page, and he's been a, a good hitter uh, in the past. I don't know what kind of role the Cardinals used him in uh, regularly. He only had 104, or 142 games in 2014, and uh, 2013 and 2016, 2015 was, was more limited. Uh, and in all of those seasons, he had a WRC plus above 100, so... Not to knock on him too much as far as regression, but I don't think he's going to be hitting uh, with with this this kind of success and this kind of slugging on a regular basis moving forward. But probably not. Uh, but alas, my <laughs> Adams uh, doing good things. Uh, we should move on to the starting pitching because we teased it earlier. The pitching's been bad. Um, Bartolo Colon got killed on Thursday afternoon. R.I. Dickey got killed on Sunday afternoon. And those are the two guys who have been in the news a lot. I was actually planning to talk about Cologne and uh, kind of being unfairly treated to a certain degree by Braves fans, mm-hmm. um, especially in comparison to Dickey. But then I think with Dickey's performance on Sunday, it's evened out. I think people are kind of sick of both of them now. Um, rightfully so. Both guys have been pretty bad. I guess we can start with Cologne if you want to. Uh, his numbers are worse than they actually are. His ERA is 6.96 with a, a FIP still, it's still bad, but a 4.78 FIP. Um, so he's obviously been a little bit unlucky, but he is 44 years old. Some of the numbers mm-hmm. are, are kind of disconcerting for Cologne. So, uh, based on what we know now, is he, could he just be done? And like, how 
how how hurtful is it to have a guy on a one on a one year deal like him? I will always defend that deal, but how hurtful is that? that it's just, just gonna have him around, and just how long could he possibly stay in rotation? Because that's that's the main question that I got when I put out the mailbag call was kind of every variation of what's going on with Clone and Dickey. Yeah, I don't know. That question is it's kind of a hard one to answer, just because I, I guess you don't want to push you don't want to push your prospects quick just because your veteran guys who are on a one year deal aren't pitching well. You're not going to be competing, uh, and you're not going to compete even if these these younger starters come up who could give you a better chance, which I don't think that they would suddenly make you competitive if you brought up Sean Newcomb and Lucas Sims. Um, but with Bartolo and, and Dickey, it's funny how you mentioned their peripherals because Cologne's peripherals are actually better than R.A. Dickey's, but his ERA is like almost three runs higher, which is crazy, just just kind of the luck you get as a pitcher, or I guess the, the unluckiness. Is that a word? Am I making up words again? Either way, Bartolo's been unlucky as far as uh, his ERA is concerned, but he still hasn't been good. He's striking out less than six batters for nine. Uh, you, you didn't expect Bartolo to, to strike batters out at a high rate in the first place. But, I mean, like Coppolella said, I think on one of his Ask Braves chats that he did on Twitter, he talked about how disappointing it was for for all the pitching staff, particularly the veterans. But we talked about it before the season as well. Like, yeah, Bartolo has had a, a good few years before he signed up with the Braves. But with how old he is, you were kind of wondering when that was going to just be done. He can't keep doing this forever. Um, he's walking more people than he has since... Pretty much you have to go back to 2008 to uh, to get a number that's close to, to the rate he's walking people at this point. He's walking 2.38 batters per nine, which is really good in general, I feel like. Uh, but when you're only striking out a little over five and a half per nine uh, and, and you have the stuff that Bartolo has, I mean, he's getting hammered. Uh, you, you really can't get away with it if your control, your command, really your command, not your control, dips that much. Uh, he doesn't have much margin for error in the strike zone, and that's kind of shown itself to be to be self-evident this year. So yeah. it's not encouraging. It's not, and I, I will argue for sure that Cologne's been better than Dickey so far. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Cologne's uh, peripheral stuff, but uh, Dickey's FIPS over six has uh, the worst number for me is 4.5 strikeouts per nine and 4.35 walks per nine. So yeah, I talked about that's I talked about Bartolo not striking anyone out, but. Holy crap, this is bad. <laughs> I mean, and to, to that point, I mean, both guys, no one expected them to strike out a lot of guys, which you said before about Cologne, but it should be said yeah. for Dickey too, but what you can't do is walk almost five guys per nine. Like, you can't do that mm-hmm. if you're a Dickey. Like, your stuff's not good enough for that, even as a knuckleball weird, sort of weird profile pitcher that you are. But he, he was shelled on Sunday. It, it sort of drives me crazy that Brian Snicker keeps treating him with kid gloves as well. Like, he talked about in the post game, and I did include this mm-hmm. for you just for your reference point, um, he was talking about how Dickey gave him a chance to win because he settled down after that. And I'm like, it's seven, nothing. It's not, he didn't give you a chance to win when it's seven, nothing. He imploded mm-hmm. again. No, not at all. Uh, and and I, I think that's a good point though, about the, the strikeouts and the walks. Like you don't expect them a lot, but I guess you go to, you go to strikeouts per walk. You go to that statistic for these guys who aren't striking out a ton of people. Um, Bartolo before this season, he had averaged like four batter or four strikeouts or more per walk. From like 2011 to 2016, now that's all the way down to 2.4 strikeouts per walk. And with R.A. Dickey, uh, he's below two. He's at 1.17 strikeouts per walk. 1.17. That yeah, is that's, so bad. That's, not, that's that's really bad. You're not giving yourself much of a chance at all. I mean, the writing's on the wall for these guys, man. It's, it's not going to be 
they're not going to be in the league much longer well, with, yeah, I mean, with this kind of stuff, obviously. I don't know if they're going to be done in the middle of the year or anything, but wouldn't surprise me. At their age, I mean, again, I think expectations were too high, and I think some of the outrage has probably gone too far with a lot of Braves mm-hmm. fans, especially with, with regard to Cologne, because if you look beyond the numbers a little bit, he's not been good, but he's not quite as bad as you might think he's mm-hmm. been. But still... I mean, I, I just think people are His outraged. His is the exact same as last season yeah. right now. Yeah, and he was lucky last year. What he was always going to regress. And, uh, I mean, the big calling card for these guys was that they were going to eat innings, and they've done that for the most part. I just think that at some point people are going to get frustrated with both guys and at least one of the two guys. I mean, we got a question from John McNinch from the mailbag. That's could be. I mean, his question was about Lucas Sims. Basically, mm-hmm. when, when we start the Lucas Sims experiment, it, it, it can go beyond that too. With kind of um, with Sims and Whistler, uh, who's currently on the team right now as a long reliever, Sean Newcomb. Shout out Blair, Matt Whistler, my boy. Your guy who's been terrible forever. But hey, <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was good today actually in a small sample in relief. But I mean, I feel like we talk about this every week. Uh, but now that you're here, we should ask it again. I mean, mm-hmm. how quickly would you want to move on one of these guys? I think Sims has been the best this year. Um, in AAA, but also kind of a small sample there because he'd been pretty bad in previous years. His his, track, his walk rate's way down, which is encouraging. Newcomb's the high upside guy. Blair is Blair, and Whistler is Whistler. So I don't know how how quickly do you think those guys should be moving up to the big leagues? And if you had to pick one, I guess I'll put you on the spot and say pick okay. one out of those four. Yeah, I don't think I would be very hesitant to move Sims up at at all any, anytime soon, just because, like you said, he's been bad in the past. Uh, he actually looks a lot better this season. Uh, I like to think that I was on Lucas Sims uh, for a lot longer. I mean, a lot of people had written this guy off as prospect this year with uh, with Triple A Gwinnett. He's done 50 innings, has a 3.42 ERA, 51 strikeouts to 14 walks. Those are those are the key numbers for me right there. Um, I think you let him just ride out the success, build his confidence back up if that's something he needs to do. Uh, I don't think you push him up to the Braves. To have him get beat up in SunTrust Park, if that's a real thing, uh, when he's having, when he's starting to to turn things around, I think you let him kind of kind of have that success and continue to develop. Like, what's the point in bringing him up at the, at this point? Is my question. I guess people are really ready to win. I know, not to say that you have to be a, a casual fan to just want to win right now, but a lot of the casual fans are tired of the losing. Uh, maybe not be as not not as invested in the in the rebuild and, and how long that actually takes. But I've always been, and you have as well. We've always been on the kind of take take the road that needs to be taken, the slow rebuild. Let your guys come when they're ready, and and you're not pushing them up for you're not competing right now. That's the real situation. Is you're not competing with the Nationals this year, uh, and bringing Lucas Sims up too soon, or, or any of these guys, not just Lucas Sims, is probably premature. Uh, I guess Whistler would be the guy for me just because he has the experience in the past. Um, and and he doesn't have the upside that Sims does, to be to be honest. Sims' stuff no. is much better than Whistler's. If they, uh, and if he's put it together, that's a guy that I wouldn't want to rush. But yeah. the Braves they, have been aggressive with their prospects, so who knows? For sure, they have been. If they think that one of these guys is ready to really um, be a major pitcher right now, then go ahead and do it. I just think if there's any concern at all about rushing a guy, then you don't it's not worth it to just be quote unquote better this year because listen, there's a real possibility that these guys would be worse. I mean, we've seen that from Whistler and Blair. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Blair especially has been kind of a disaster every time he's been uh, called upon. Uh, Whistler has been pretty good in some small sample stuff this year in relief. He also had a couple of blow up outings as well. So his numbers are not good at this point. But still, I mean I don't know. It's not worth it to me to rush a guy and just say, all right, Bartolo, we paid you, bye. Uh, at some point, 
Dickie, especially, I think for me, becomes maybe potentially bad enough where you want to move on from him. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be some situation where it's suddenly going to be Sean Newcomb on a Tuesday. He's going to show up. Yeah, in the and Sean Newcomb, if we want to touch on him a little, he's walking over five guys for nine. Like his Still. walk, his walk stuff has not gotten better. That's always been the knock on him. He's striking out more batters for nine than he did last year at at Double A. Uh, he's got a 3.09 ERA at AAA, so it's not terrible, but it's not great from from what you'd expect for a guy who who has the the potential to be a top end of the rotation kind of arm. But until he starts figuring out the walk rate, man, I don't know how you can move him up walking that many guys. For sure, uh, I'm with you all the way on that. So I understand the uh, the the uh, sort of eagerness to pull the trigger there because uh, it's not exciting at all to know that Cologne and Dickey are going to pitch for your team on that day. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, my point has always been and will continue to be, there really isn't that guy that's ready to go. So unless you're really excited about seeing Matt Whistler pitch again, um, I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. you, maybe you'd argue that Whistler would be more, more constructive than Dickey. I wouldn't necessarily argue against that because at least Whistler you know, is young and you could fake yourself into thinking that he's going to be something. But I don't know. It's not really mm-hmm. worth it for me. So give them – they're going to have a long leash. They're making a lot of money too, which does matter in the grand scheme. I mean, how much it matters is kind of up for debate, but they invested real money in them, so they're going to let them fail. Um, probably a little bit longer than a lot of other guys would fail. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm not, I'm not quite there yet to say they have to be gone tomorrow like a lot of Braves fans are. So we'll see what happens there. But it's, of course, the dominant storyline right now just because of how bad they both were in a row this week, mm-hmm. which I, I understand all that. Um, we can get off of that. Uh, briefly, Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe reported that several teams are interested in Jim Johnson. That's not a big surprise to me that Jim Johnson – would be a high-profile commodity. I guess the big question, it kind of ties into a mailbag question that we got, talking about uh, how long the lease should be on these veteran guys who've been good this year. Jim Johnson, Tyler Flowers, Brandon Phillips, to, to name a few that might have some trade value. Are you are you in the mindset, or are you already looking to uh, flip guys, or would you let it go for maybe another couple of weeks? Uh, I guess in a vacuum, I would flip them as soon as I could. But uh, in, in the real world, it takes a while for the, the trade market to develop. Um, I know a lot of teams are hesitant to jump it early just because they want to gauge the interest in these players a bit more. Uh, it takes longer than you would think. It's not like you're just hopping on MLB The Show and just trading people at whim. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that, that teams are interested in Jim Johnson. He's been extremely consistent. He's probably underrated at this point um, just because he's been playing with the, with the Braves who aren't that great. And I mean, if I think there's, there's someone who tweeted a few days ago or, or a couple of weeks ago that like, the past three years, Jim Johnson's been like a top five reliever or something like that. Something crazy that, that really surprised me. He's been really good. He's walking 1.74 batters per nine. Uh, his peripherals are better than his ERA. I think he's going to give the Braves a, an interesting return. He's not a young guy by any means, but uh, he's extremely consistent. And teams value that. Teams, teams that are competing. I mean, you saw how Andrew Miller was used for the Indians last year in the postseason. The relievers are a real weapon now. Their usage is up. Uh, he's a guy that the team is going to want. So I think the Braves are going to get a good return for him if he stays healthy. Another guy who I wouldn't be surprised at all if they traded is Vizcaino. Um, we've heard some stuff with the Braves uh, as far as getting interest for these relievers, for, for a lot of these guys. Uh, I don't know why you hang on to these guys at this point. Relievers are extremely volatile, as me and you have talked about. It seems like all the time we talk about how volatile relievers are. If I was a team, I would be developing relief pitchers and trading them as soon as I could because you never know how long they're going to last, and the market for them is crazy right now. So uh, I'm with I would you have expected Jim Johnson to be gone at some point this year. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There is an argument that Johnson, you know, he's under control for next year at $4.5 pretty cheap number. So the Braves wanted to hold on to him as sort of a, I mean, I think he's sort of beyond that point where you're worried about volatility to an extent. Of course, all relievers are volatile. Mm. You but think? See, I... I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't put that on anyone. To be honest, it, who knows when they're going to fall down, man? Yeah, I, I understand. It's it's more of a situation where like he's a veteran. He's not really reliant on like he doesn't throw exceedingly hard. He's not one of those like mm-hmm. flame throwing guys. So I think a huge frame too. So yeah, I think inherently his risk is a little bit lower. But I'm, I'm kind of with it's you. Probably fair. I'm kind of with you though. Like if, if a team comes out and wants to pay a real number because he's under contract for next year, maybe he can get a little bit more in return. Then that's that's fine. I wouldn't mean just yeah. Teams value return, that kind of control. It's the same thing with Tyler Flowers. I mean, both guys are under control uh, and, you know, are, have been really, really good this year. We talked about with, uh, with uh, Joe Lucia actually a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and he he floated trading Flowers. People kind of panicked and were like, why would we trade Flowers? And it's like, well, because he's been awesome. Like, And he's probably mm-hmm. not going to be awesome forever. And if you get a real value on a guy who's been, you know, an above-average starting catcher in the league, like that's, that's t- enticing because on the next great Braves team, is Tyler Flowers your catcher? I would say probably not. So... If you can get rid of a guy like that and get real value for him, then that's worth yeah, it. Yeah, and trading flowers right now is the definition of selling high on a guy. His BABIP is over 450, and obviously, or not over 450, it's at 450. But obviously, teams know that he's probably overperforming at this point, but they're still going to have to pay to get that. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree 100% with Joe there. If, if you think Tyler Flowers is going to be the key to the Brave success in the future, then the success they're, they're going to have is probably not that great because we've seen what Flowers can do historically, and he's a solid guy to have, but he's probably better as a backup catcher than a starter, which he has been with the Braves. Uh, and you look at his, his last season with 2016 as well, a pretty solid year. I don't know when he would be better to trade than at some point this season, maybe at the trade deadline this year. I would definitely be on board with that. Yep, for sure. Uh, we're on the same page there. I just, it's worth noting, though, that there is some stuff out there that's going to be growing in the next couple of weeks just because the Braves are going to be, if not out of it, they'll at least be close to where you start thinking about them being a seller. And, you know, that's not a lot of fun to think about um, for a lot of fans who want the Braves to be as good as they can possibly be. But for, for this year, we're getting to be near that point where it's time to look at the future again. And, uh, you know, we're not quite there, I guess. I understand sort of the argument against it. But by the end of by the you know, sort of middle end of June, we'll know even more about the team and sort of it's, we'll probably be deciding to uh, move on from some of these guys in the future. Um, I do want to hit, hit one thing with you on the LB draft, at least, because you mm-hmm. are in this world now at Baseball America, especially. I know that's not necessarily your uh, dominant thing. I know you cover some high school baseball and stuff, too, but I know you're doing draft stuff. So Braves have, a, have the number five pick. Uh, it's kind of tough to talk about name stuff, but please throw out anything you want to on the draft. Mm-hmm. Sort of big picture thoughts that you want to get out there on the Braves, especially for the because uh, the draft's coming very very soon, like next couple of weeks. Yeah, so no, we're almost there. I think it's safe to say that the MLB draft is 100% what I'm focusing on right now. Uh, we're all geared up. Uh, people are working overtime for this. Obviously, it's going to be here sooner than we know it. Um, as far as guys the Braves are interested in or should be interested in, um, I think Kyle Wright is probably the guy they would love to get. But at this point, uh, he's 1-1 on John Manuel's latest mock draft to the Twins. I would be surprised at this point if he got to the Braves. I mean, you, you talk about Hunter Green and Brendan McKay. Those are guys that have been 1-2 uh, for us for a long time. Um, McKay is more of the safe pitcher you could probably put in your rotation at the end of this season. Uh, depending on how much you want to use him. Hunter Green, obviously, is the prep righty with easy velocity. Probably has the most ceiling of anyone in this draft. Kyle Wright kind of splits the difference between them. He has more upside than McKay. Could probably be a top-end 
uh, rotation starter, but he's a lot safer than Hunter Green just because he has the college track record. Um, so I think he, Kyle Wright is a guy who's got so much helium right now. Um, I don't think he'd get to the Braves. Uh, a couple other guys just that I think they should be interested interested in or are interested in. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is probably my personal favorite player in this draft. Uh, left-handed pitcher uh, out of North Carolina. I think we talked about him before. Oh, Maybe shocking. That. The North Carolina guy is your favorite player. Yeah, sorry, sorry, bias here. Hey, North Carolina <laughs> is historically good this year from a draft perspective. So it's not just me. But um, Royce Lewis is a guy out of California, so I don't have to be biased for him. Uh, he's probably the best position player in the draft, just as far as highest ceiling for, for a position player. Royce Lewis is the guy. Um, he might be there around five. Another guy who's uh, kind of jumped up, actually this is the guy uh, that John Manuel mocked to the Braves, I think in uh, 3.0, the mock draft 3.0, Shane Boz. He's a uh, prep righty out of Texas. He's probably got three plus pitches right now. Throws 97 at times. Um, I guess Jordan Adele and Austin Beck are tooled up outfielders that are interesting as well. But I would be surprised, honestly, if, if it's not Royce Lewis, I'd be surprised if the Braves took a position player. Um, but yeah, what, what, I mean, what else do you want to know? Is that, that a good enough rundown? That's probably that's probably. What are we going to talk about here, Brad? Got that's, any questions? <laughs> that's probably, who, who do you like? Who do you want the Braves to take? Actually, I have no clue. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not in the mindset yet. I haven't. I, I will always defer to you guys on this stuff. I don't have, uh, frankly, the uh, interest <laughs> level to go through. Would all you? These guys. Go ahead. Yeah. Would you be upset if the team drafted another pitcher? I know I talked about this on the the last time I was on the podcast with Eric. Uh, just kind of how the the general sentiment with Braves fans seems to be that they're they're really excited about actually drafting a hitter at the top of the draft. But I don't would care. you be more excited about a hitter, or do you think no, you don't care? You I just mean, trust them to do their job. It's yeah, take the best guy. I mean, if it's a hitter, <laughs> I guess I'll be slightly more excited, I suppose. But like. I'm mm-hmm. not one of those people that's going to be like, okay, here it comes, got to be a hitter. And if it's a pitcher, like, freak out. Like, no. Yeah. I mean, they're going to do whatever they think is best. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it was a pitcher. I think Eric said the same thing to me on the last time he was on, on my podcast. Like, he thinks it's probably going to be a pitcher. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't blow me away at all. I mean, they're going to do yeah. what they're going to do. Do you think they could go off the board, though? I mean, I guess that's the one question I had still I mean, had for you is, like, last year was Ian Anderson sort of appeared out of nowhere. Is there a guy like that they might be able to go and do that, like, nobody sees coming until the last minute? Yeah, I think that's definitely that's definitely a possibility. Obviously, they did it last year, like you just said. Uh, there are a lot of prep pitchers who are who are really good and have been shooting up our boards. Uh, I have a story this week that's going to be dropping on Michael Mercado. He's a pitcher out of uh, Southern California. He might be the highest riser just in general in the entire class. He was not on our top 100 list when it originally came out. I don't think he was on our top 200, the first one either. He's like nine, uh, 47 right now, number 47 on our most recent update. And this is this might be the most uh, projectable guy in the entire draft. He's like 6'6", 170. Like he is thin as a rail, but he's throwing in the mid-90s, has really good control of a curveball, a two-seam fastball, four-seam fastball. He's got a cutter and a changeup. Like he has – he's really, really advanced for, for – uh, where he's at right now and when he puts on some weights scouts are projecting him to throw like upper 90s um so he's a guy i guess that'd be an off the board type dude i mean he's top 50 for us so i don't know what you would call off the board um people would freak out though if the braves drafted a guy who we had 50 at number five 
But uh, it's happened before. I mean, there are a lot of arms like this. Sam Carlson. Yeah, Sam Carlson's another guy. Uh, Trevor Rogers is a guy out of New Mexico who who I'm really high on. Uh, yeah, he's a lefty that throws mid 90s. He throws gas pretty much whenever he wants to get 96, 97. He has it. There are a lot of these pitchers, so I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, obviously, we'll we'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, be texting you throughout to try to figure out some uh, some nuanced information <laughs> because I'm clueless and you're uh, in the war room, so to speak, these days. So uh, I appreciate a little bit of uh, insider knowledge that I'll, I'll be able to steal from you. Yeah, for sure. And then next coming a uh, couple of weeks, I'm going to need it because right now I'm kind of clueless. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, last thing. I was a little told- site called Baseball America. You can read up on this stuff, Brad. Yeah, I was gonna have you. I was gonna have you plug it, but that's a good time to do it, I guess. Now and we, we'll do it. We'll do it again in a second. Last <laughs> thing before we get out of here, um, when you visited the Road, Road to Atlanta podcast, I, I, I got a lot of responses to my Twitter feed uh, accusing me of hating Ozzy Albies. Uh, something yeah. Oh wow, back. they did that. That's did. so great. <laughs> I got. I probably got about 12, 13 people that uh, attacked uh-huh. me viciously for my Ozzy Albies hate. Uh, really? I will say that uh, you misled the people. I, I, I like Ozzy Albies. I, I'm lower <laughs> than some people are on him, but still, uh, we got a couple I'm so excited Ozzie, that it actually worked. Yeah, I had to bring that up just to say uh, thanks for that. I really appreciate can we, the onslaught. Can we do another social experiment here, actually? Can we try and can we try and get those people to go at Eric Cole from this podcast? I want to see how much crossover there is in the podcast and see oh, if you have sure. any more any more social clout than Eric does. Well, what do we think that Eric is being uh, irrational out? Because I, I know okay. you, you've accused me of Ozzy Albisay. I'm not sure who Eric hates. Okay, so I don't think Eric hates anyone. I'm pretty sure he just loves everyone in the Brave system. But I think we, if you guys are on Twitter and listening to us right now, can just go to Eric and tweet that Colby Allard is better than Mike Soroka and make it like as extremely outlandish as you want, that would be like the equivalent. I feel like that would be a lot of fun. So I'm in for that. That sounds great. Yeah. And uh, Eric will be on, I'm, I'm sure, soon. He'll probably be the guy I have on after the draft because why wouldn't mm-hmm. he be? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if people respond to that. But uh, if it's any, if, if it's anything like what I got from the Aussie, uh, the Aussie fans, it'll be uh, <laughs> brutal for Eric because uh, I got attacked and I was told that it was your fault. So uh, I appreciate that. Wow. I, I'm kind of sad that I didn't realize this actually happened until now. Oh, it did. It wasn't like Twitter less than than in the past, just because of this draft stuff. But the, I'm the, so excited. The funny thing about it is that it wasn't like at once. It was like I got like two a day for a week. <laughs> That's so great. I, I hope they did it right just, when they heard it on the podcast. Because they're they're weekly, like like we are. I know a lot of people don't listen to the podcast like the first day it comes out, so I understand that. But it was like this slow yeah. burn of like Brad, why do you hate Ozzy Albies? I'm like, oh man. <laughs> Carlos Scott. Yes. Uh, so it's awesome. I'm just coming on podcasts and trolling you guys. It's fantastic. It's probably the best case scenario for me. That is what happened. Uh, while we're here, Ozzy keeps uh, people keep asking about Ozzy coming up. Um, mm. I would encourage them to look at his numbers in AAA this year. They're not good. So unless he suddenly starts playing better, he's not coming up. There it is. Yeah, and he he has started playing better of late, but it's it's True. only been a, a week or two that he's kind of turned it around. So and yeah. The thing is, by the way, there's a, there's nothing wrong with that either. He's 20 years old. Yeah, no. Like, there's exactly. He's 20 years old, and Brandon Phillips has been pretty good. Uh, so there's really no reason uh to have Albies come up because like, what's he gonna do? Like you got you have to either trade Phillips or cut him, and mm-hmm. you're not cutting him with the way he's playing right now. So. Uh, yeah, Ozzy's uh, not coming up until he's a full time starter, and he he might not be that until. I don't know. This whole there's a chance he's not up all year. That's the thing. People just mm-hmm. assume that it was like he's at no doubt coming up this year, and like I wouldn't go that far. I, I mean, if, if Phillips is pretty good all year, and they don't trade him. Ozzy's probably not coming up. Yep. 
Maybe maybe, maybe maybe September or something. I don't know. But anyway, I don't want I don't want to end the things on on, a, on sort of a negative note. But people keep asking, not just me, but asking the asking the site about that. So it's worth bringing up. Now. Classic shocker, Brad doesn't isn't very positive. Exactly. When it comes to uh, I have to finish low on Ozzy. That's <laughs> part of the brand. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. As always, please plug your stuff. I know you tried to earlier, and I cut you off. So please. Plug oh no, your you're stuff fine. And... I just tried to plug when I wasn't supposed to plug. No, you can I plug anything you want. You're coming on the podcast for uh, <laughs> you know, free of charge for an hour of your life. Please plug anything you want. All right. Uh, if you guys are interested in the draft, which I assume you are, since you're uh, hardcore baseball fans, uh, check out Baseball America if you haven't already. Uh, subscribe if you want to get all, all the uh, the best information we have. We are dropping our top 200 scouting reports on our top 200 prospects. Obviously, uh, this week that's draft-related, not top 200 minor league prospects. Uh, so draft-related coverage, we're going to be having a lot of that this week. Uh, the BA 500, which is the top 500 players for the draft, should be dropping soon as well. Uh, be on the lookout for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo. I haven't been tweeting as much, which I need to get better at just because uh, you know, actually having a real job kind of takes you off Twitter a little bit more. Weird, but, uh, weird. Yeah. I know. tough. <laughs> so, so those two spots for sure. I mean, you guys know all the Baseball America guys. You should be following Hudson Belinsky's the top draft guy to to follow John Manuel, obviously. But yeah, just all the Baseball America people. There you go. Uh, follow Carlos. Uh, I th- I like I think we were we were once on a level playing field in baseball, sort of, and now we are not because you are. No, we are we are still on level level playing field. Brad. That's not Come true. Uh, you work you work for MLB.com. Now you work for Baseball America. You're friends with Mark Bowman personally. You have it. You have it <laughs> Enemies all, right, with man. Kevin McAlpin. So yeah. Yeah, McAlpin hates your guts from everything I've heard. <laughs> so there's uh, there's lots of stuff going on there. But no, thanks, man, for uh, coming on as always. We'll have to do it again uh, once you're out of the draft muck. We'll have you on again so you can kind of come up for air. It'll be good. Awesome. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, as for everybody else, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Enjoy Memorial Day tomorrow as we record this on Sunday. And uh, in the long week, all those things. We'll be back again next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.